but yeah, that hit right there. Uh, what do you want a six five guy to do to go down to Bailey Hawkman's level, who's about as tall as me? Um, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not the tallest. What's Bailey Hawkman? Six one, six two if he's lucky with heels on. Um, what do you want? What do you want Janarius Robinson to do? Do you want him to crawl and then tackle him? I mean, it, it's 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 football, but then again, this is the ACC. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan from Fear the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are finally back. We've gone through a little bit of a headache there on my end. I was without a laptop uh, for almost a week. I also had some exams going on, so it was just a really fun week on my end, but I'm I'm excited to be back. I know the guys are too. We got a lot to talk about. We missed out on a lot. I'm very sorry. We've got we've gotten a lot of messages on Twitter and Instagram asking, you know, where's those podcasts at? Feels good to be back. Um, so hopefully we can deliver for you guys and give you some uh, entertainment and get ready for a bye week ahead. Tonight with me, we have a full uh, full show of our co-hosts. We got Dustin Lewis, our lead writer, and our head and uh, graphic designer. Fisher Atkins. I almost forgot what your name was there, Fisher, and I'm very sorry about that. Or is I haven't I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, it does. We haven't talked to each other like this in a while. Have y'all missed each other or no? No, no. It's been a nice little break. <laughs> I miss Dustin though. Yeah, the, oh, the longer I'm not around Logan, the better. <laughs> Dang, it really turned on me. I'm the one that had their laptop stolen out of their car. <laughs> Yeah, the one. you wonder who stole it. Yeah. You wonder why this podcast has been going on. Well, you're probably mad at me, Dustin, because we recorded a very nice podcast. You know, Fisher wasn't there. He had to go watch Teletubbies or something that night. So me and <laughs> Dustin had to record. Season uh, and, it, and, and I have to say, it was a little bit smoother. Um, I'm just, you know. Did you feel that way, Dustin? It was a nice podcast. Um, and then the next day... Uh, the laptop was stolen, um, so couldn't put that one out. Um, so we're just going to kind of sit here and recap a little bit of the last, you know, couple weeks. But we want to jump straight into the NC State game. Have y'all had a good week without me? Yeah, I mean, better now that Florida State's won consecutive games for the first time in forever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Florida State's on a on a two. Uh... Two-game winning streak. They look like the best team in the Atlantic so far. So We're going to have to not <laughs> record more often if it leads to wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
the followers, the listeners might not want us recording anymore because um, I'm sure we'll be the blame if Florida State gets trampled by Clemson in a week and a half. So we'll be all blame on us. But uh, I said we jump right into it. We got a lot to talk about. You know, it's good to see, you know, the fan base now. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of hope for where this team can go. You know, the, there's, you know, the lowest point was trying to get to a bowl game, but seems like there's a little bit more there now and it seems like the fan base is, is you know trying to support Taggart as much as they can it was really tough after the ULM game but things are looking positive Florida State takes care of the Wolfpack in Doak Campbell Stadium nighttime game 31 to 13 uh, Tamara and Terry had a nice game uh, and you know look into that defense Woo! what are y'all's uh, initial thoughts uh, of that game I'll let you go Dustin yeah I mean like you just said, really, for me, it was the way the defense really stepped up and, and showed out holding NC State to just 13 points. I know I said, well, I guess I didn't say since we didn't get the podcast out. I <laughs> wrote last week that I thought NC State would be the worst team that Florida State has faced up to this point, And the Seminoles made them look like the inferior team from from the opening. Well, outside of that first quarter, the first quarter was a little sloppy, but from then on, the offense got on track, scored a couple points, and just really all night, the defensive pressure on Bailey Hawkman and shutting down the Wolfpack running game was essential to that win. Yeah, I would agree. I think what really stood out to me was just the energy and the effort um, that the team played with as a whole. Uh, yeah. This is one of the best defensive performance. This is one of the better defensive performances that we've seen from the Knowles in quite some time uh and we were kind of talking before the the podcast you know they held the Wolfpack to 13 points and um you know even had a, a really nice hustle play at the end there by Amari Gaynor uh it was really a pride play because the game was essentially over at that point when NC State was uh, running into the end zone and, and Amari Gaynor comes and punches the ball out and, and uh and and they they pick it up and um so that was kind of Kind of the epitome of, of, you know, the game on Saturday night was playing for pride and, and defending home turf, which was great to see. And um, we, we were talking before, and Florida State probably dropped about, Dustin, you said you, you tracked it, probably dropped about eight picks that they could have had. So you imagine if, if Florida State even gets, you know, two or three of those, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's that much better. So I'm just really impressed with the effort that, that, that they played with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching from the stands, and yeah, about eight eight balls got onto some FSU defenders' hands and weren't able to come down with any of them. I think, I want to say Cyrus Fagan <laughs> dropped at least three, but I mean, overall, he still, he still had a great game, but, yeah. you know, did pulling you, a couple of those see, picks. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to ask, did you see uh, Cyrus Fagan's reaction, at, like, post-game when he was asked about dropping picks? Yeah. Start yeah, he, push-ups. He, he, he looked he looked you know really frustrated by it um you can tell that frustrates all of them um and it just affirms why they played db i guess um <laughs> yeah. but he was he was saying he, he told his teammates he goes if you drop a pick in practice you know just start running uh so these guys know you know that's a big deal and they gotta start making some plays when they when they're given to them Absolutely. I mean, Bailey Hawkman was doing everything he could to get one of his former teammates a pick on Saturday night. Unfortunately. <laughs> by the way, by the way, you know, just excited to see Bailey Hawkman 
uh, you know, wish him all all the best and <laughs> Hawkman High, looked, baby. Looks like it worked out uh, better for for one of the parties when he decided to depart FSU. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a uh, welcome to Doak Campbell Stadium at night, and you know, love it. Uh, I keep on saying, like, you know, the Horny, well, Hornybrook, but uh, Harlan Barnett kind of, uh, you know, in Levitt's there, but that defense came to play. It was nice to see the crowd had to be close to, you know, what'd they say, 66,000, something like that. Right around uh, 66, 65,000, yeah. It looked, it looked good on TV. Yeah, no, it, it was a it was a pretty packed it crowd. Like yeah. yeah, no, it was. There was a lot of energy there, too. I think this... Uh, team and this fan base um, and the crowd always does better at Florida State defense is playing well those sacks those big hits you know that's what Florida State's known for uh, destroying the uh, the offensive player destroying the quarterback annihilating <laughs> the wide receiver in midfield uh, that's how you get that crowd woken up in Tallahassee and, and it's starting to trend that way and I'm sure we'll get talking about it in a little bit um, but yeah Bailey Hawkman played for NC State didn't work out so well for him uh, Hornybrook had a had a pretty nice game. He went 29 of 40 uh, and had 316 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, still have some problems there, and we'll get to it in, in the court, quarterback situation uh, into the bye week. And also, of course, we'll touch on a little bit of the Clemson game in two weeks. But uh, he kind of had some problems there, uh, allowing sacks kind of come to him or run to them. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. Cam Akers is your leading rusher again. If you want, I'll, I'll, get, I'll let you talk in a second can you just don't interrupt me i know you're mad that the Bengals aren't beating my steelers right now because you put money on it i just want to uh, talk about my gambling addiction yeah yeah richard barnes uh, who does our uh betting articles probably screwed Drew dustin. me in Drew yep. me in. yeah exactly dustin we we probably do need to talk about it after after we finish recording buddy <laughs> yeah we'll save we the conversation for time. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> With a great idea, Fisher. We'll, we'll sit down and talk with him. I've lost $40. I really need a big intervention right now. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. Um, Cam Akers, of course, is your leading rusher. It kind of started off slow for him, but uh, got re- it got cooking for him. I don't think Florida State had any rushing yards or much of any going into the second half, if I'm correct. Uh, I was at the game, and I think on the video board it was showing that he didn't have much of anything. Um, or the offense as a whole, rushing-wise. But he went for 17 carries, 83 yards. That changed real quick, and a touchdown. Your leading receiver, which is pretty interesting. I uh, called this on a podcast I was on with the Big Three Roll-Up on their panel. I was very high on Ontario Wilson. We've heard good things about him during the spring, uh, uh, following into uh, the fall practice. But uh, he's kind of shown out. He went for Four receptions, only four receptions, but 91 yards and a big touchdown for the Knolls. Um, what are your takeaways, you guys, from Hornybrook? I mean, kind of dropping down to Acres and Wilson for their for their nice nights for the Knolls. Yeah, I mean, first thing about Hornybrook, he he really played a great game. I mean, finished with a career high 316 passing yards. He's never eclipsed that mark before in his career. Also threw three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. But I've got to say, Florida State got sacked eight times. I mentioned this today in, in the Monday mailbag I wrote, but I really didn't think that you can blame the offensive line for all those sacks. There were certainly a few times the defense broke through the line very quickly to bring down Hornybrook, but I thought he was struggling to read the field. 
he was holding the ball for an extremely long time. And for some reason, it didn't really seem like he was ever throwing the ball away. He just held the ball and got sacked back there in the pocket. So really, that's something I want to see Hornybrook get better at moving forward, just going through his progressions a little bit faster, or at least when the defense is in your face, throwing the ball away. And and just to note on that as well, Hornybrook has been known for not being too careful with the ball and getting a little turnover happy sometimes. And, and he hasn't, he didn't throw any picks the other night, but there were two that, that NC state just dropped. Um, so, you know, lucky in that regard. And, and like you were saying, Dustin sacked 10 times, nine times, eight uh, times, eight times. Well, still, and, and still half, too many. <laughs> half, half of those were probably his fault and not the offensive line's fault. Um, now I will say the offensive line, in my opinion, this might have been their worst performance of the season. Um, mm-hmm. NC State whooped them up front uh, for most of the game, which which was kind of why the Florida State offense was not allowed to to get up to that fast start early. But uh, yeah, Hornibrook's got to do a better job of, of getting getting the ball out of his hands and uh, and and throwing it out of bounds if he needs to, um, and help help out his offensive line. Yeah, I mean you can tell. He's, pro- he's probably not used to having a uh, bad offensive line in front of him after playing at Wisconsin, so he's yeah. adjusting a little sure. bit. I did think, personally, the uh, the tackles weren't very good on Saturday night. I thought Bellow got beat a lot, and also Roberts just had, had an uncharacteristically bad game. Yeah, but Bellow struggled for sure. Um, Ryan Roberts is, is so up and down to me, just... All throughout the year, sometimes one play he'll he'll look very technically sound and, and make the right play, and and the next he just sort of uh, just implodes. Uh, so he's really played a play. Um, it, it looked like Jawan Williams was back at practice today, working with the first team. Um, so that's a really good sign moving towards Clemson. Uh, it's kind of funny yeah. to say that Jawan Williams coming back to practice and getting healthy is <laughs> a great sign, but um, I, yeah. I think that that only helps you getting Jawan Williams back healthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he's taking a big step forward, and it'd be really imperative to have him guarding whoever takes the field at quarterbacks blindside against Clemson. Without a doubt. Um, I mean, just to say one more thing about Hornibrook while we're at it. I mean, did the ball just look like it was traveling through mud when it leaves his hands compared to Blackman? I mean,. <laughs> The the ball looks really really slow coming out of his hand. I don't know if that's just me or not, but um, there was a lot of hype about Hornibrook and and him playing over Blackman. But I, I don't know too many people after this game that that can really support the idea that Hornibrook should start over Black. Yeah, that's something I've noticed too. Um, and although Blackman is a guy that likes to throw darts very quick. Uh, and I mean, it comes right to your hand and it's going to be a stinger when it's out, but that kind of allows DBs to get time on their wide receiver, uh, and even read the quarterback a little bit more. It kind of puts a struggle, but like you said, we'll, we'll kind of get into it now. Um, moving forward, you know, did this game kind of solidify, uh, that Hornybrook should be the starter over Blackman, or do you feel like it's reverse where, you know, all right, Blackman, give him more extra time. He'll be fully healthy as expected as long as he – seemed like he uh, – Taggart did say after the press conference uh, he did tweak his knee on Friday. 
the day before the game. Uh, so that's why they kind of just decided to go with Hornybrook and felt a little bit safer there. Uh, but I did see on my hand, I was there at the game, and I did see Blackman there on the sideline kind of walking fine. And I actually saw him after the game jogging perfectly fine off the field into the tunnel. Um, so I think healthy-wise, Blackman should be fine. But did this start, you know, does this kind of tell you, you know what, Florida State's got to stick with Blackman. This is their starter. Uh, or is it like, okay, Hornybrook, you know, he had a pretty a decent game, uh, and, and they've won – the last two games with them, uh, should they keep them in there going to Clemson and Death Valley? Yeah, I don't really think there's any question. If if Blackman is healthy enough to play the game against Clemson, he's got to be the starter. I mean, he moves he moves better in the pocket. He's got the stronger arm like we've already talked about. He knows the offense like the back of his hand. And, I mean, he's just he's earned the respect from his teammates. They fight for him. The leadership he displays on and off the field, I mean – after every touchdown Florida State scored on Saturday night against NC State, who was the guy meeting the offense as they were coming off the field? James Blackman. I mean, he's just the quintessential teammate you want. And regardless of how Hornybrook played on Saturday, which it was a subpar performance, he went 29 out of 40 for 316 yards and three touchdowns. But any way you want to put it, it was a subpar performance. Blackman has got to be your starter if he's healthy. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I think, again, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say Black, uh, excuse me, Hornybrook played played bad because I don't I don't think he did. But um, I would imagine Blackman just gives you a better chance to win, especially against a, a team like Clemson. I, I think Blackman uh, really just has a much higher ceiling in terms of what this offense is able to do underneath Blackman, um, just with his arm strength, the way he throws deep balls the way that the ball comes out of his hands so quickly, uh, his, his versatility using his legs. Uh, Hornibrook is uh, not nearly as, as, as fast or quick as, as, as Blackman. Um, and so James Blackman gives you a much better chance to win just on the field and then off the field. I think it's clear that this team uh, just has more, way more confidence in Blackman. And, I mean, rightfully so, as, as Hornibrook's only been there, you know, what, three months, if that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Blackman's your guy, and I think Hornibrook is at times a nice change of pace. I like the way they kind of used him against uh, a Louisville, um, you know, putting him in every every other drive or so, and and kind of just giving the defense a different look because I think he he has some things that that Blackman doesn't do as well as far as you know touch passes, and I think Hornibrook might read the field a little bit better um, just as far as IQ maybe goes, but um, Blackman definitely gives you the better chance to to score more points. Yeah, and I honestly think one of the bigger factors is is that offensive line because James Blackman, he's just better at getting away from pressure, eluding defenders, and even throwing the ball away. He does a great job of getting rid of it if there's nothing there. Blackman's been sacked 11 times in three and a half games. He got injured against Louisville. Hornibrook has been sacked eight times in, what, six quarters? Not even a playing right. time. Exactly. He didn't, I, he didn't get brought down against uh, Louisville, but I mean, you know, like we've talked about, all eight came against NC State. Yeah, and and credit to NC State. I I, I think they have a good defensive front, but uh, that's no coincidence. <laughs> yeah, and I think they kind of picked. They did. They watched their film, and they know what Hornibrook brings to the table. They were sending guys because they know 
you know, Hornibrook really doesn't look deep as much. It's not how Blackman, where he can stretch the field, which, you know, we can talk about where he can play a big factor better than Hornibrook when they face Clemson. You know, Blackman can stretch that field. Uh, they were sending it, you could tell, early on, and that's how they did so well early in that game was NC State sending it quickly on Hornibrook because he kind of hesitates and he doesn't want to read past a linebacker group. Uh, and that's how they were able to uh, get some success on bringing him down and causing trouble for him. Uh, passing wise. Well, on to the next one. Let's see what we got here. What is y'all's biggest area of growth the last uh, two weeks for Florida State? I'm gonna give you a cop out answer. It's it's got to be the defense. I mean, the I'm defense. Shocked. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, seriously, defense turned up against Louisville. Obviously, that was the game Marvin Wilson had just a dominant performance in en route to FSU totaling six sacks against the Cardinals. Defense was instrumental in the fourth quarter of that comeback victory. And they continue that momentum into this week against NC State, holding the Wolfpack to just 13 points, something the defense didn't do last year. The, the Florida State defense hasn't held a team to 13 points or less since 2017 which is honestly pretty wild. <laughs> so yeah. these last two weeks, it's been imperative to see the defense start to have a little bit, little bit of success and just begin to build that confidence. Yeah. Without a doubt, just the, the defensive effort that we've seen uh, really since they're, I think ever since the UVA game, I think they've kind of turned that corner um, as far as effort goes, as far as assignment goes. Um, they look like they actually know what they're doing um, to, an, to an extent. Um, and I think there's still plays to be made on the field, but, um, you know, they've gotten progressively better. They've been, they've been taking a step forward. And, um, and, and like I said, the, the play there at the end against NC State where uh, NC State is, is about to score and, and it's a meaningless play. You know, they could score and the game is – Florida State still going to have the victory – and Amari Gainer says, no, you're not, you're not getting in the end zone. And, and he chases the guy down and punches the ball. Emmett Rice picks the ball up, and, and Florida State gets a stop. Um, multiple instances on, on you know, the fourth and one, Florida State stands up tall and, and gets that stop. And against teams like ULM and, and Boise State, you know, Florida State just wasn't doing that. Um, you know, teams were out hustling and, and out working and um, just played better football. And so uh, no question, just the, the effort by the defense and, and certain guys like uh, Janarius Robinson really coming along in these past couple weeks and at a crucial time when uh, Joshua Kando has gone down with injury. Uh, you've seen the the switch that Leonard Warner has made to inside linebacker, which I think has been great uh, for him and, and uh, really helped out Dontavious Jackson. Um, and then the new guy on the block is, is Amari Gaynor. Uh, man, what a, what a performance by that guy. Um, I've already mentioned his name a couple times. Um, so it seems like this defense is, is playing with pride, uh, which is really encouraging to see. Mm -hmm. That is true. Mark Inner had a great game, two sacks, uh, and he brings a lot of physicality to the game. Uh, I played with him at Charles here, a uh, local product from Tallahassee, uh, and I got to spend some time with him, having to block him coming off from the edge, and that was wonderful. I enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we saw him uh, as a true freshman. He would practice with us. Uh, with the varsity team he played he was a true true freshman they actually had him at running back um, and that's what he played a little bit of his freshman year there 
but he quickly kind of got changed over to the defensive side uh, linebacker and then dropped he dropped down to weak side defensive end and the one thing about him is he might look that kind of slimish little Telvin Smith Telvin Smith that slim body still you know got some filling out to do but he's extremely physical and Florida State can really utilize him uh, to get off those those slow linemen at the end of games to go off from the side and get to the quarterback quickly. Uh, and it seems like either you know Barnett and, and Levitt are starting to figure that out, uh, and it's and it's working out well for Florida State's defense. But that tackle there was was beautiful, uh, and that only he you know keeps the crowd hype and you know makes it feel a little bit better about that win when they leave on Saturday night. Um, yeah, and obviously, go ahead. Obviously, Logan and I have a little bit of a soft spot for Amari, considering we got to film his commitment video for No Game Day a few <laughs> years back. We did, we did, we did uh, take care of that recruiting that uh, commitment video, which was pretty pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, great game by him, young guy. Still, you know, there's a lot of he's still got growing to do, um, and he's only going to get a little bit bigger. And, but, you know, I'm just trying to note on, you know, he can look that slim, but he's extremely physical. He's one of our most extreme uh, physical guys uh, on our team in high school, uh, and he's bringing it to the table here. And it's good to see a Tallahassee product really show out like that, you know. It's, it's great, and it's nice to have Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really nice. So definitely and, from my school. <laughs> and he was, really, he was really primed to make an impact last year as a true freshman, but a fractured foot kind of derailed that during uh, – fall camp mm-hmm. and that's where then i kept noting because durden i believe talked about that after the game you know he he no- noted on amari and was so proud of him and how he's came back from that injury and you know and they knew that what he would bring to the table and you know good to see a healthy amari gainer out there it's helping out that defense quite a bit Absolutely. uh let's get to the uh what stood out to you guys good and bad with the win over nc state any any, we kind of talked about a lot of the good ones, but do you have any faults that you still see with Florida State on either offense, defense, coaching-wise, uh, player-wise that you can think of? Really, this game, the the worst thing I saw out of Florida State was, was the performance of that offensive line because, you know, we've talked about the eight sacks, but Florida State also really couldn't run the ball. I mean, even if you take away Horny Brooks, um, yards that he lost for being sacked. Florida State only finished with 95 yards on on 32 carries. With that, with that added in, they finished with 30 or sorry, 32 carries for 53 yards. Hornybrook had negative 40 and uh, lost sack yardage. So the offensive line going into a bye week, they've really got to work on some stuff before they head into Death Valley against really an elite Clemson defense. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight for this offensive line against the Clemson Tigers. They're going to need to have their best performance in a couple years. <laughs> yeah. Um, the One of the biggest things that kind of negatively stuck out to me, and we've, we've talked a lot about positives, uh, is penalties. FSU had 13 yeah. penalties for 99 yards, um, and that worked out against NC State. But that was NC State against Clemson. Uh, that's a different story. Um, so they've they've really got to to shore up on, on those penalties and um, you know Taggart kind of said some of those were were uh, aggression penalties and 
he's not necessarily going to punish guys for for going hard. Uh, things happen. You know, we looked at the the Janarius Robin, Janarius Robinson uh, getting flagged for targeting, uh, and that was a play. It was just a an effort play by Janarius Robinson, and there's it's clear that there was no you know intent you know to you know draw a targeting foul. So there's there's stuff like that where you know you can't blame them for for essentially making a hustle play, but um, there are still some things that you can control. Um, so that was really what jumped out to me was just the, the, the penalties, uh, just sort of a reoccurring issue. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, the running game. Cam Akers only had 17 carries, uh, finished the 83 yards. Kalen Laborn only three carries. Um, I'm not – I mean, Cam Akers is having probably his, his, his best year at FSU so far. So, I, you know, I get feeding that guy. But still a little surprised not to see Kalen Laborn get, get as many touches. We've seen Kalen Laborn flash. Uh, the past couple weeks, and so that's not necessarily a knock on those two guys, but maybe uh, a knock on on uh, the play calling. Uh, I, I think you want to give both of those guys more at bats, uh, more chances to run the ball, because when they do run the ball, they're they're special. And I think Kalen Leborn has has shown his ability to to do that. So only three carries on the day for Kalen Leborn is a is a little uh, surprising. Although he did have a have a nice uh, a catch. Uh, let's see, he had uh, two two receptions, for six yards. Which was good to see. They're using his uh, versatility, versatility, and lining him up in the in the, in the slot. Um, so that kind of stuck out to me. And then, and then the other one was just uh, the drop picks. Um, that's that's been an issue seemingly all year, but especially reared its head on Saturday, dropping eight eight picks. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, that's a that's a big deal, and and especially playing a team like Clemson. To help assist as well. oh, dang it! Every time. <laughs> Every Fisher's, time Fisher's watching highlights. Hold on. Every time I'm on ESPN, it plays an ad. That's all right. That's Shoot. all right. You're invested. We understand. I thought that was Logan Steeler's game. I was about to freak out on him. No, every time oh, I'm on ESPN, it plays an ad. It drives yes. me insane. I don't know how to turn it off. Because if I'm muted, then y'all are muted. <sighs> yeah, it's all right. We won't get on to it. It's only uh, why we're like... 18 weeks into this on at least 15 podcasts no worries fisher don't worry about it it's okay they learn learn slower in mississippi y'all gotta y'all gotta quit with the mississippi state jokes all right continue continue you're going off what's happening oh no doesn't know how to mute the tab yet (laughs) i did i pressed mute it doesn't work well, uh, some of us have headphones we use, and that usually works. Whatever. We'll let you have your time, sunshine. Nope, I'm done. <laughs> rage, we got a rage quitter. I don't even I mean, remember one, where you ended at. You know what? One thing, though, that I'm seeing that is helping the team, though, overall is, you know, there's penalties, and sometimes there's silly ones, but there's absolutely some that are just stupid to make, and they're usually personal fouls or hits that don't need to be taken. That's something that I've noticed that Florida State, they're getting smarter and not putting themselves in those kind of situations, I feel like, um, yeah. in the last couple of weeks. That's helping them a big time. It helps with their momentum going throughout the game. Um, and it seems like whatever Taggart's doing behind the scenes, I don't know if it's they're doing stadiums, they're doing down and backs, bear crawls, uh, elbows and toes, um, it's working. Um, and... That kind of goes to a little bit of like some a guy that I think on 
my side, and personally, Levante Taylor has had a pretty nice couple of weeks ever since the Virginia game. Uh, he had to sit out during the ULM game. He was fully dressed, no helmet. Uh, it was pretty evident that Taggart was sitting him uh, on the sideline. But I've thought that he's had a pretty nice uh, season uh, after his first week. And whatever Taggart's done, sat down and talked with him, and they fixed whatever was going on behind the scenes. In my opinion, I think it was stuff mentally. Uh, I don't think it was too much of play. Uh, maybe there was some misassignments during the first week, but I think this was more of a behind-the-scenes thing that happened in the locker room where he had to sit out the next week. Um, but it's kind of switched around. That kind of goes with him and DJ Matthews. Whatever Taggart's doing, it's working. I know there's been a lot of scrutiny on Taggart, that there's not been enough discipline. And there might have not been earlier because Taggart tries to be closer with his, with his team. You can tell that he has a, an extremely close bond with these players and it's only his second year uh, with uh, the program but he has has such a great bo- uh, bond with these players but he's able to sit down with DJ Matthews uh, where there are some rumors and some talk and stuff that I've heard that he was wanting to transfer before the season even started and now he's back after sitting out a week and not going to with the team to Virginia and he's having a pretty nice uh, he's having you know he's back on the field and, he, and he's making some plays and that goes the same with Levante Taylor. But whatever the discipline and whatever Taggart's bringing is helping this team, and it's also helping not cause them to put themselves in terrible situations with stupid uh, penalties, which has been going on lately. And Dontavious Jackson uh, has been pretty solid uh, and had or had a solid game on Saturday, and it seems like uh, whatever is going on there is working out well too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought the result of the penalties was was really the Florida State defense just wanted to kill Bailey Hawkman. They were they were out to take his life. In yeah. the second half alone, in the second half alone, Florida State had three personal fouls and one roughing the passer. Two of those personal fouls came in the fourth quarter. Obviously, one was uh, the Janarius Robinson targeting ejection. But I I don't know what it is about that Florida State defense on Saturday night. They were out for Hawkman's head. I mean, every play, Hawkman was just getting up off the ground. And by the fourth quarter, he was he was limping around, and they even took him out and put in their third-string quarterback. So they wanted to kill him. Jeez. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> Wow. Jeez. Any can we even say the small charges? Yeah. Corey Should we just get to it? <laughs> Let's just get to it. Uh, Janarius Robinson, you know, that was pretty much the big clip of the game. That's Florida State defense. I'm so tired of people out there on Twitter saying, crown of the helmet, that's really the rules and all that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is Florida State football. It's football in general, but this is Florida State football. You You should be used to seeing your opposing guys, definitely the quarterback, get absolutely annihilated and like killed, like Dustin said. You know, that's what fans love to see. That's what this program likes to see. That's what Taggart talked about before even coming to Florida State. You're talking about guys like Derek Brooks that comes in and absolutely obliterates people midfield. Nigel Bradham. This is what fired I think the defense as a whole, having a successful defense for Florida State plays, of course, football-wise and the whole range of things plays huge. But for momentum-wise and getting the, the, if you're at home, getting the crowd wild, but also getting that team on the sideline juiced up, ready to get in, 
and you know have their chance to get on this on the on the plays and just just wreck somebody. That's what Florida State's defense is. It's what it's supposed to be. You know, Lamarcus Joyner, who's probably the hardest hitting for how small he is, was one of the hardest hitting guys on defense. And that just kind of set the tone for how the game was going to be played for the rest of how many minutes there were. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, of course, you got Telvin Smith, Nick Moody, like I said, Nigel Bradham. That just sets the tone for this team. Uh, but, yeah, that hit right there. Uh, what do you want a 6'5 guy to do to go down to Bailey Hawkman's level, who's about as tall as me? Um, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not the tallest. What's Bailey Hawkman? 6'1", 6'2", if he's lucky with heels on. Um, what do you want? What do you want Janarius Robinson to do? Do you want him to crawl and then tackle him? I mean, it's, it's, it's football, but then again, this is the ACC. Uh, you can't, they're not going to allow them to appeal that Taggart can't appeal it or whatever, but I wish Taggart would have said something after the game because that was, that was atrocious. Uh, it's, and it, you know, Dustin, you also played football too, Fisher. So that chest, those pads that you put on your chest, that is probably one of the most safest places to have a hit happen to you. You know, you're guarded well right there along with your shoulder pads, but where, where do you want Janarius Robinson to go and hit him? Do you want him to go for let for his legs and just like really, really hurt him? Probably ruin his frigging career, smashing him in between Durden. Get out of here. Let the guys hit. This is frigging football. Uh, and I was, just complete shock because I, I during the game I didn't even see I was like what's happening they were reviewing it and all that jazz uh, it's just complete uh, it's complete stupidity sometimes it's football man up so I'm I'm sitting here looking at at the screenshot someone tweeted earlier today of of the the moment of of impact where Janarius Robin hits Bailey Hockman and first of all there's no helmet to helmet contact mm-hmm. uh, none whatsoever. Um, when I was in high school learning how to play football, I was taught to put your face mask in their armpit when you're tackling them. And that's exactly, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how other people learn, but that's, that's how I learned. That's how I learned to tackle is you put your face mask in their chest, in their armpit, um, and then grab cloth, wrap up, take to the ground. That's exactly what's happening right here. And like you said, Dustin, or not Dustin, Logan, I mean, what are these guys supposed to do? I mean, do you take out his knees, tear his ACL? Like, yeah. are you supposed to just grab them with your hands and throw them down like no um you got to let the allow these guys to play football and like i said there's no helmet to helmet contact and uh it's just crazy um and we've seen guys just in the past you know the, the rule is so unclear um i remember reading recently an interview that someone did with grant delpit uh from lsu the, the safety there and, and they asked him about targeting and, and his thoughts on it and he said honestly i i don't i don't know the rule i don't know what is targeting and what's not and that's you know, it's it's certainly frustrating because now you're losing Janarius Robinson, your your best edge rusher for for the first half of the Clemson game, and, and you just can't afford that. And so it's it's really unfortunate and uh, just just uh, just a real bummer. Yeah, I mean, and then, and it's not just that Florida State, you know, is going to go into a bye, but they're about to play they're about to play their biggest opponent now. People are you know nowadays this is kind of like a rivalry game. I still of course Florida and Miami are ahead of it, but this is a this is a huge game for them. They have a lot of momentum going, but Florida State does lose their best defensive end. They're without Kando for the rest of the year, um, and they lose one of their best defensive ends with Janarius Robinson, who has also been pretty hot. Go back and watch a oh, couple yeah. of these. Go watch a little bit of film, but he's been pretty pretty nice 
for Florida State's defense, and obviously uh, him and Durden have had some solid couple weeks. We already know what Marvin Wilson is. He's an NFL product. He'll go top 10, top 15 at the latest uh, in this upcoming year's draft. But um, just like going back, where, I mean, 6'5", that, that's just silliness. Um, if he goes up anymore, to, if he goes up to his height or whatever, he hits his helmet, then yeah, it's targeting, you're out, blah, blah, blah. But he did the best of his ability, and, and it's just kind of silly at this point. It's getting stupid, um, but shoot, I, we still got film on it. Uh, we'll be posting that video. I saw one from Florida State Seminoles on their YouTube, just absolutely drilling Hawkman. And Durden was there too, just pant, just peanut butter and jelly right there <laughs> easy money but like you said before dustin uh before our meeting for recording durden has been pretty nice i like the energy that he brings to this defense i think that's what has been kind of missing kind of a little bit of some nastiness some, some florida state nastiness things you better be smart with it but bring some nastiness in there and and wreck and that's kind of what we saw against the boise state game there was some deep the defensive play and at least the defensive line was there to absolutely wreak havoc. And I think that's yeah. something Corey Durden's been doing the last couple of weeks. Oh, well, actually, the, the entire season. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of hidden a little bit, you know, playing alongside an NFL draft prospect and, and Marvin Wilson. But in his own right, Corey Durden has been very solid this season, along with, along with Robert Cooper. I mean, that big three-man defensive front, was something that we talked about coming into the season. We thought Florida State would have a lot of success with those three guys manning the middle. And really, the first couple weeks, they didn't. But now, everything's kind of starting to click into gear. And, you know, it's it's just going. They're in a rhythm at the moment. And they've got to continue that against Clemson. Mm -hmm. That is true. Going to the defensive side of things, of course, Levitt came to help Willie Taggart, William Taggart, and Levitt have a very close relationship. They're, they're good friends, uh, but he's played a pretty big impact, and we can't uh, push it to the side. This is a big help that he's brought to this team. Uh, but this is Josh Brown, who we'll get to in, in a minute also, who's gotten some playing time recently. Uh, this is what he said about Jim Levitt, the new Florida State defensive analyst. He says, it's incredible to have a top-tier guy like him coming in and teaching of course, he doesn't know our specific scheme yet, but he's incredibly knowledgeable about the game. It's been helpful. He brings energy to the defense, and as you can see, our energy levels went up as well. I'd say he pretty much has played a pretty big part in that as well. So what I take out of that is that he doesn't, Levitt still doesn't know the entire scheme yet, the specific scheme he's noting on. So things are kind of looking, you know, this... It, Things are going to keep improving with Levitt there. What are y'all's thoughts about Josh Brown, a linebacker there for Florida State on Levitt? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with him. Obviously, Levitt joined Florida State a couple weeks into the season, so he hasn't been here since the very beginning of fall camp when Florida State installed a lot of their defensive packages. And, you know, he's really just picking up everything on the fly, joining a college football team midseason. I mean, I can't imagine – how tough that must be, even even for an analyst to join a team three weeks into the season and, you know, just have to get on the ground and, and start running with everything. And since he's joined, Florida State's defense has made a big improvement, and I don't think it's any coincidence. 
Yeah, I mean, I think when Josh Brown says he doesn't know the specific scheme yet, I think just in terms of maybe how they call things and, and terminology. But you know, Jim Levitt is a is a three four coach. This is the defense that he knows, and uh, I, I believe he knows it better than than Harlan Barnett knows the three four. So um, you know, from that standpoint, I think he's still learning kind of what Florida State how they how they run this defense. But I would say that he has a better handle on on how to run it. Uh, which is super valuable for this defense, and and ever since he's been hired, right before the UVA game, this defense has has been trending upwards, uh, and I think that's any coincidence. Um, and what he says too is is just the energy that that Levitt brings. I mean, what was it after the the Louisville game? That video of of Levitt dancing in the middle of the circle. I mean, how often does a defensive analyst that's been with the team for less than two weeks start? dancing in the middle of, of the the circle after after a big win at home I mean that's so uncharacteristic for for a defensive analyst but I guess not for Jim Levitt and uh, uh, just an incredible hire by Taggart to go and get that guy and and I think he's he's only helped this defense and helped these guys and and brought a lot of excitement as well mm-hmm. yeah no, I, I agree that this you got to give some props here to Willie Taggart this is a mood that a uh, move that really needed to be made and he did it. Uh, I think there was reports about Levitt not wanting to coach at least this year whatsoever. He kind of wanted to have some rest off after leaving Oregon. But I guess Taggart got on the phone with him, talked him into it. And this hire has been very nice for Florida State. So props to Willie Taggart. I think he, from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, there's some really nice progress that you like to see uh, from a coach that had a really rough season last year, and you know fans are you know willing to stick by him and support him. That and that move right there is is a is a big one. It's going to say a lot at the end of the season, I think. Um, another guy, Dennis Briggs, young guy on the defensive line, also noted about the defensive play. He said it's just energy, a whole lot of energy. Uh, talk about Levitt. He he. He's been really great so far. The past couple of weeks, it's always been energy, just telling us to move around and not really have no lackadaisical, lackadaisical stuff. Just continue to bring a lot of energy each day, and that's from Dennis Briggs. And I also do remember, uh, I think Willie Taggart said today, and a couple of the players have um, while they were talking to the media, noting on you know during practice, this is a defensive analyst telling guys you know stop can't stop walking, stop walking. Run, let's get going, let's get going. Um, don't be walking around and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, it, and it's working out so far, which is also pretty interesting, too, because Willie Taggart on the press conference after their win at NC State noted on that they this last week of practice was actually their best of the year so far. He thought it came through really solid, and the team had full of energy, and it, this is uh, probably good, could be a good case from Jim Levitt coming in and bringing some juice to those practices, and it's working out pretty well on the field so far for that defensive side. Um, uh, I want to note on, you know, this is just a snippet. I thought I really liked Warren Thompson. Didn't do a whole lot, but you can see that he's got the potential there. He's got a strong upside. I really like that little Tony toe tap catch that he had, uh, (laughs) you know, a little little two tap. Um, He got both feet in, too. He didn't really need to, but he got them. Uh, but I think that's another weapon that I think will work well with, you know, whichever quarterback, but Blackman mo- moving forward, if we, as we're expecting, uh, Warren Thompson could be pretty, 
special for FSU moving forward. Um, and of course, you know, we can talk about Tamarion Terry, who's, you know, faster than I, than you really think he is. I didn't think that was going to be a touchdown whenever he scored it. Um, I believe it was the first one in midfield and he ran in between two defenders. Was that the first one or the second one? It was the first one. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting him to score a touchdown there, but Holy smokes that for that size of a guy, really tall and lanky for the get in that end zone. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just it's just a product of of all the talent Florida State has at wide receiver with with Warren Thompson. I mean, there's so there's so many talented players in that receiving core that even though Warren Thompson is a good player in his own right, it's it's just hard for him to get consistent snaps behind Tamorion Terry, Keyshawn Helton, Treshawn Harrison, DJ Matthews. I mean, the the list goes on. Ontario Wilson, who I'm forgetting about somehow, even though he just led the team in, in receiving. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. there's just so many guys. You never know who's going to step up each week. Yeah, and that um, goes. We've got to start giving a little bit of some props, even though he's got a whole package full of talent. You know, Ron Dugans comes in from Miami, uh, and he comes with a lot of guys that have talent, and it seems like he's put the right guys in the right situations. And, of course, this goes to Browse, too, but – Ron Dugans is coming through and making sure the right guys are out there. And he's obviously seen what's going on during practice. And I think this, you know, being a coach is harder than anything, but making sure that these guys that are having a good practice during the week, blah, 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 but also, you know, putting those guys out there and relying on them and they're actually show out and produce very well. Uh, Ontario Wilson uh, is out there with your leading receiving uh, scores a touchdown too. uh, Pretty, pretty impressive, and, and props goes to Ron Dugans, who's had a, had a pretty rough um, like couple weeks going in before the season started with the loss yeah. of his father uh, before the season started. Call me, call me crazy, but is this, uh, this is the most confident that I feel about a receiver group since Rashad Green left Florida State. Yeah, that, that's an interesting topic to be had. Uh-huh. And maybe the most depth since since 2013, because I don't know that there was a whole whole lot of depth on the 2014 team, but you, you still had Rashad Green. Uh, but just from a, a point of view, I mean, so many guys to go to, like y'all mentioned, Helton, Wilson, Terry, Thompson, uh, Matthews, uh, Gavin. I, I'm probably missing a couple as well. Uh, but the amount of weapons that you have, and, and uh, I mean, Hornybrook's probably loving, this is probably, the most the most talented group of receivers he's ever been able to throw to, which is you know probably why his stats are are you know the best he's he's really ever recorded. You know, eclipsing a number that he's never hit before. Uh, really, just the beneficiary of of guys like Terry and Wilt Wilson just making incredibly athletic plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're stacked with talent there, um, and it, we'll see, and we'll kind of get to it at the end of this podcast. You know how Blackman, if that's who we're we're all kind of on here expecting to play against Clemson, how that can be utilized to kind of lengthen the field a little bit more with black men's skill set going deep. Uh, yeah. Season. We, I think uh, after, after the Virginia game, we recorded a podcast and we really gave Ricky some, some high praise for his start to the season um, Aguayo started the season three for three, 
knocked in a, a 53-yard field goal against Virginia that really no one thought he had a shot at. And from there, we kind of thought Ricky's troubles had kind of faded as he entered his senior year. And instead, it, it all came rearing back against Louisville when Aguayo missed three kicks, two of them by such a wide margin that it, it was it was just it was really ugly to see from a college kicker. And he follows it up by coming to the game against NC State and missing another chip shot. He did go one for two in the game against NC State, thankfully. And to to top it all off, for the final two extra points of the game, Aguayo was benched for walk-on kicker Parker Grothaus, who has taken over the, the kickoff duties ever since uh, Logan Tyler's demotion from his DUI. Yeah, Dustin hit it pretty well. <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, Ricky's see... putting them in a Ricky's putting them in a tough situation. I mean, of course, it wasn't that meaningful maybe for this game against NC State, but Louisville for sure. I mean, he's putting them in tough situations, and and there's and it seems like it's definitely mental. Like if it goes with his brother with Roberto, it's all mental. We've seen how well they can play, but I mean, now what? And what you're probably about to allude to, Dustin, you know competition wise yeah i'm ready to to never see aguayo on on the back of a florida state uniform again i I want willie taggart to slide him to the end of the bench put grothhouse out there give ryan fitzgerald a few shots i mean really really anybody give give cam Akers a couple kicks i I don't i don't (laughs) care i don't care who kicks the ball as long as as long as it doesn't start with Robert Cooper. Yeah, I was about to say, you, we were big on special teams, and that was during our preview of having Robert Cooper. We were talking about him having the kick return uh, capabilities, but could we see a chance where Robert Cooper comes in and is kicking 45-yard field goals in Death Valley on Saturday, next Saturday? I mean, he's, he's got a thick enough lower body. <laughs> the, the biggest thing for me is, is I mean, a testament to, to Ricky Aguayo and his struggles is looking at the Louisville game missing three kicks, leaving nine points uh, on the board. And it's just a different story if he makes those three kicks because you're looking at going from 35 to 24 to 44 to 24. It's just a different narrative, and it gives you just all the more confidence. So it's it's really a difference maker. And so they're going to have to find somebody. And I don't know if, if maybe give Ryan Fitzgerald a couple kicks. We'll see. Um, but they've got to have, they've gotta have uh, that on lock for sure. Uh, I kind of want to just note on Cam Akers, too, not like a crazy stat uh, night for him, but just watching film on him, talk about the whole 180 from him from last year and now. He's so damn smart this season with what he's hitting, the hole he's hitting, being patient, bringing plays outside of his tackles, if he knows the inside stuff. Um, he's playing extremely smart, and also he's ex- he's be- <laughs> he's extremely hard to tackle. I remember watching one play, I believe I tweeted it, but he should have been tackled right off the rip. Uh, but he gets through it. He's a tough guy to tackle, and he's having a phenomenal season, and he's going to be drafted. Uh, and he's one of the best running backs right now in college football. I just want to note on him having such a big turn from last year into this year. He had a chip on his shoulder, wasn't happy about his performance uh, in 2018. But props to him, this this running back, 
is pretty special. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about Caden LeBourne uh, not getting uh, a lot of reps, even though he's been getting quite a burn in and he's getting some plays. Uh, but, you know, they want to have LeBourne out there. You know, I think it's just kind of like the fan base. And even me, I, I want to see LeBourne out there. I think he's extremely talented. I think he's better right now if they're going to keep, if they're going to put him in, out, in there for pass game situations. But, uh, you know, this is Cam Akers' show this year. Um, as long as he's healthy, keep him in there. He's one of the best running backs right now. And from my, from what I've heard on my end, Kalen LeBourne is kind of set. He's fine with this. He's not going to – there's no, a whole lot of transfer talk. He's not going to be transferring this year. He knows he'll be the number one guy going next year. Um, this is the Cam Akers show in 2019. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I agree with you, Cam Akers. He's gotten the bulk of the carries. Cam Akers has 115 rushing attempts in five games. Last year, he had 161 in 12 games. So really, the whole identity of this offense has been to feed Cam and see if it works. And if not, let the quarterback throw a couple to, you know, that receiving core that can pretty much have any guy out there producing. So this is an offense with a lot of talent. It's really just going to have to rely on its offensive line to be capable enough for them to keep being deadly throughout the rest of the season. Any notes on good old Cam Akers there, Fisher Atkins? Uh, I mean, you'll kind of already summed it up. Uh, just the, the 180 that he's made from last year. Just a, looks like a different player with a different mindset. Uh, the patience that he has on every single carry is is outstanding um last mm-hmm. year and how he uh, pressed and and tried to make every big run last year um and this year uh, i mean he's taken three yards if he needs it and occasionally those three yarders turn into seven eight yards and then eventually you know you see like late in the fourth quarter he busted the busted the game wide open with that with that dagger at the end there um but just his his vision his patience the trust that he has in the offensive line uh, and, and I think it's he, he he's not playing, you know, to to pad his stats. He's playing just to move the ball for this offense. Uh, yeah. And that's clear. And, and he's uh, just just the right mindset. And it and it, you know, it goes to show you that if you do it the right way, that, that you're going to get rewarded. And so Cam Akers is is drawing a, a lot of attention from scouts right now and has established himself as, as one of the nation's premier running backs. Uh, and he's he's living up to to who everyone thought he would be. And. Uh, it's exactly what Florida State needs, and if if Cam Akers is running the ball well, I mean, it's going to be tough to stop this offense. Mm-hmm. And you know, he had every right in 2018 to to blame his poor performance on yeah that dreadful offensive line. Yeah. yeah. Instead, you didn't get any excuses out of Cam. He just went to work this off season, came back a better and smarter player, and. Now you're seeing him at, at his best so far yep. through his college career. Yeah, absolutely. without a doubt. Hard work I mean, and determination pays off. Exactly. And and the what was the, the stat from last year? I think he had two yards total without being touched last year. I, I mean, right. so like you said, every right to blame it on the on the offensive line and and you know just say you know I'm doing all that I can and uh, but you know Cam Akers is a is a special kind of guy and. We see a lot of guys. It's not that rare to see a guy with his skill set, but I think what makes Cam so special is just the mentality. 
Um, I mean, we've seen guys crumb through Florida State. A guy that sticks out in my mind is a guy like Mario Pinder. Um, all the mm-hmm. talent and all the speed and everything as far as a skill set goes, but not the right mindset. And so, um, you know, I really don't think that Cam Akers is a, is a you know, generational special athlete. I mean, he's incredibly talented but but just the mindset and and the the work ethic that he brings I, th- I think is what really separates him um my uh my head coach in, in high school he he we had a player that played in the u.s army all-american game and and so my coach went down to that game and, and he ate lunch with with cam Akers there when he, when he was playing in the u.s army all-american bowl and he just came back raving about you know it wasn't his speed or strength that impressed him but just the way that he carried himself the way he talked the way that he uh, you know, just the kind of guy that he is, it just makes him so special. And and you're seeing it this year. Mm-hmm. His uh, touchdown on Saturday night came from the fourth and one, worth noting there. And that was his only touchdown of the night. Still went over 80 yards. Uh, and yeah, just talking about him, he's just watched some film on him. It's it's pretty impressive, the flip that he's had from last year. Uh, some note here on a Possible transfer, but transfer in the works from wide receiver Demarcus Adams. He hasn't seen any playing time from Florida State uh, since its time here. Uh, and <coughs> something <coughs> that is worth noting: this was first reported from 247 Sports. Uh, but yeah, like we talked about earlier, you know, Ron Dugans has a stacked squad of wide receivers. Jordan Young, who was a big recruit coming in, they wanted to make sure he wasn't going to Tennessee. Still hasn't played. Still hasn't found a lot of playing time from Florida State. Uh, either, but Demarcus Adams is planning or has entered the transfer portal uh, and intends on leaving Florida State. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. Just wanted to note there. Um, yeah, I mean, and honestly, it was kind of expected to have at least one of those wide receivers from the 2018 class transfer out because Florida State signed five really good wide receivers in that class. Keyshawn Helton might have been the lowest. I, I can't remember. He was close or maybe he was the lowest-ranked player in the 2018 class. And, I mean, obviously, he's been outstanding in Garnet and Gold thus far. So when you have a recruiting class that's bringing in five wide receivers, it's it's hard to get everyone the touches necessary to keep them happy. Mm-hmm. I want to go over to the null, the pro nulls. We haven't really talked about a lot of the pro nulls this season. There hasn't been a whole lot. Uh, to talk about, except for Dalvin Cook, we can talk about Dalvin Cook, mm. and I kind of, I kind of want to get to mm. Jameis Winston too, um, which is, you know, I like talking. I'm a big NFL guy. I love watching NFL games, even though I'm a Steelers. Even though we just won a good, pretty impressive game here for my Mason Rudolph, my quarterback of the future. Um, nice, nice one over yeah, the talk some, Let's talk yeah. some Bobby Hart on that uh, Bengals <laughs> offensive line. Yeah, that's okay. And Dalton that's just okay. got sacked eight times. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, nice 27-3. I'll take it. Um, my quarterback went 24-28. Anyways, um, so Jameis, let's start with Jameis Winston. We'll get to Dalvin Cook to finish it off. But Jameis Winston, the last three weeks, of course we saw, you know, he played week one against San Francisco. Wasn't that pretty through three interceptions. But the last three weeks, Jameis Winston has looked pretty nice. Um, they should have won that game against the Giants. Uh, and they also, they did beat the Panthers. But last, this was recorded on Monday, so yesterday, uh, 
put up 55 points, even though the um, Donovan Sue scored a pick six for them. But wow, and L.A. too, across the friggin' country. Uh, Jameis yeah. Winston is having a, a great start to the 2019 campaign. This is money year for him. He is their franchise quarterback, and I think he's kind of just making sure he solidifies that. Uh, over 380 yards the last two weeks. He scored uh, three for four touchdowns on Sunday. Um, he had one interception, but still, what an impressive game from him. And the last three weeks have been pretty solid. And I think, you know, I'm watching First Take talk about him. They gave him a lot of heat to start the season, and they did last year. But props to him. I think he's playing. He's he's playing so much more smarter, and it's so easy to tell. Uh, and with how he's reading the defenses and where he's throwing, if it shouldn't be thrown there, then throw it away. That's all he really needed to fix. Make sure he's not throwing stupid things and not trying too much, you know. And uh, his wide receivers are also helping, and Mike Evans is coming in clutch. Uh, Godwin is stupid good for them right now. But, yeah, Jameis Winston. I know you're a Bucks kind of fan on the on the underside, Fisher. Um, and I know Dustin is a true fan. Um, because because Fisher, you know you're a, you're a Titans you're you're a Titans fan because you lived in Tennessee, but watch more Bucks than I've watched. He loves Marcus Mariota. Mm. I really don't. I really don't. I know you've talked a lot of trash about him on here. I really don't love yeah, him. This is I, uh, I like you said. Oh, you got it. You've already interrupted me. Go ahead. <laughs> I will. I will say made a nice little chunk of change on this game. I had Bucks plus nine. Oh, here we go. Yeah, addict. Easy win. We still need to have this talk with him after this yeah. podcast. If it yeah, make sure you, you stick not. around, Dustin. But really, <laughs> I mean, Jameis Winston in the last couple of weeks, I've been really impressed with his command of Tampa Bay's offense. He's he's beginning to just show signs of taking that leap in the final year of his deal with finally having a, a competent offensive coaching staff around him. I mean, you've got Bruce Arians. You've got Byron Leftwich, his offensive coordinator, who's really called some great games this season so far. So it's nice to finally see Jameis Winston, for one, have a defense that holds opponents to under 35 points a game, and for two, to have an offensive staff around him that knows how to draw up the best game plan for Jameis Winston, because I really thought that was something Dirk Cutter failed to do during his time in Tampa Bay. He didn't use Winston to his strengths. So really I'm, I'm happy for Jameis. I hope the season, I hope it improves. I hope Tampa Bay wins the uh, NFC South and yep. gets into the playoffs. And hopefully Jameis ends up being uh, extended and in Tampa Bay for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, Jameis, we, we talked a lot about this. I remember in the off season, just about how, Bruce Arians would have a, a big impact on, on Jameis and, and the Bucks overall, and that certainly is the case. And and got to mention Byron Leftwich as well. Uh, so this is yeah, like you said, Logan, this is money year. This is year five, I believe, for Jameis. And so this is the it year is. that's gonna um, kind of I don't want to say make or break. This is kind of the defining year for for Jameis to see you know what what he's got and and if he really has what it takes to be a, a franchise quarterback. And so far, he's he's getting the job done, and he needs uh, he needs the Bucks to to help him out a little bit more. You know, they they just blew that lead against the Giants 
uh, two weeks ago, but but you know bounced back strong and got a win over the one of the the league's better teams in LA. Um, Chris Godwin, fantasy owners were happy if you started him, uh, and then obviously Mike Evans and and OJ Howard is a guy that um, pretty inconsistent at times, but uh, high upside. So um, man, yeah, excited for Jameis and hopefully he can keep going. And then Dalvin Cook. Uh, is cooking this year uh, so far 278 or excuse me 410 yards on the ground five scores uh, already outpacing his his previous two seasons um, by a, a wide margin uh, and some are considering him the best running back in the league this year so far which I don't know that you can really argue that um, in my opinion so it's uh, it's exciting um, however I do have a just a huge hole in my heart still not seeing Derwin James on the field yeah, now imagine having Derwin James out there too. No, that would be. Yeah, no. Dalvin Cook has been stupid good. Uh, as FSU fans, we know what he brings to the table when he's fully healthy, and it's absolutely dirty. Uh, one of the best running backs in college football. He was obviously the best in Florida State history there, being the leading rusher all time um, in yards. And Dalvin Cook, you know. Not only, you know, he's making the right cuts, he's stupid and breaking ankles, but he, he's physical, he's hard to tackle at times, and he's also smart about himself and, and trying to stay healthy, too, with some of the tackles that he takes. He's he's <laughs> he's impressive, although this last weekend wasn't so great, but I believe he's still the leading rusher in the NFL right now. Uh, incredibly talented, and hopefully the Vikings can figure out a way uh, to keep him cooking. <laughs> good one you like that one you like That's that one dustin super original you like that one that was good but no, yeah because Derwin... i had a cooking i had a cooking thing coming up you took it oh i'm so sorry yeah you're not allowed to do that it gets really corny if you do it <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of like the nfl talk there also nigel bradham had a pick uh for the eagles local product Yep, another local product out Wakulla of Wakulla. County. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and sealed up that game. Was that Sunday night? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it took so Thursday f- night. Thursday night. My bad. I'm a complete idiot, and I don't actually watch NFL football. Uh, and actually, you know, this kind of gets back to Jameis. Playoff run? Could there be one? You know, the Saints are running with Teddy Bridgewater right now. Still going to take a good while before. They see their quarterback, their starting quarterback, with uh, Drew Brees out on the field. I won't see him for a while. But, you know, the Bucks, you know, if they can get some stuff fixed on the defensive side, Jameis is running this offense very soundly. They're scoring points. There is a possible, uh, a really good possibility that Jameis could lead them to the playoffs. So something interesting to watch and, you know, happy to see him having some success because he's got he's gotten a lot of heat, as he probably should. But we can get all into that. We could just do a whole Bucks podcast. But that, <laughs> under that organization and actually just have some success there is pretty damn impressive. And Jameis Winston is doing his job. Uh, and if he continues this way and he has a very solid season, time to pay him. He is your franchise quarterback in Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna know um, a lot about Tampa Bay's playoff chances over the next two weeks. They have two big divisional games. Tampa Bay travels to New Orleans next weekend for a one o'clock game against the Saints. The weekend after that, they'll be playing against the Panthers in London. So 
back-to-back big divisional matchups that Tampa Bay really needs to pull out to improve their playoff chances. Mm -hmm. Real quick, before we end it, this is a bye week for the Seminoles on Saturday. Both Clemson and them uh, do not have a game. First take will actually be there next Friday morning. So this is kind of starting to amp up a little bit more right now. It's on the six, whatever, six day, whatever the ACC does with the TV. But this will be on ABC. <laughs> I don't know. Six day option. There we go. My bad. Yeah. Um, it's going to be either 3.30 or 7.30. Uh, and if it's at 7.30, then you got the main crew with Kirk Herbstreet. Um, and forgetting the name, forgetting the name. I know there's Reese Davis, but he's not there anymore. Who's the other guy? No one's all, oh gosh, hold up. Wait. It's not Fowler, right? Chris Fowler, yep. Yeah, you're right. You're it right. It is you're Fowler. Right. It is Fowler. Chris Fowler. Um so yeah, if that game's at seven thirty, then you got the primetime crew uh from the ESPN, ABC, all that kind of junk. But uh yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, first take's gonna be there, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. And I just want to kind of get y'all's thoughts on just looking ahead. We'll probably record at least another podcast uh, before fully previewing the Clemson game. But uh, y'all give me y'all's thoughts on what y'all are kind of anticipating uh, heading into the spy week and moving forward to Clemson. Yeah, I mean, first off, I don't really think anyone's expecting Florida State to go into Death Valley against the, the number one team in the country, defending national champions, and come out with a victory. Unless unless you really have on those uh, garnet-tinted glasses. But, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not going to be like last year. I mean, obviously last year, Tigers came into Tallahassee, popped Florida State in the mouth, beat them down 59-10, to 10, and that was really one of the, the main points of the season where from there on, Willie Taggart, just took a, I mean, honestly, he just took a ton of shit for the for the rest of 2018 after that game. So really, I think it's important for Florida State to go into this game on the road, not melt down against the best team on their schedule, and just keep it as close as they can. I'm expecting Clemson to to pull this game out probably around 38 to 20, something like what? that. I think it'll be, I think it'll be closer than expected. But in the end, I mean, Clemson's going to pull away. I mean, yeah, this is a week for Florida State to, one, get healthy, uh, get guys some rest, especially Cam Akers, get him fresh, ready to go. And uh, Blackman. And Blackman. That was amazing. <laughs> but Cam Akers has got to be ready to roll. He's got to get a lot of carries. He's got to be ready to, to take on that load um, against Clemson. Get him in that cold tub. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, this is a week to, to get the offensive line. They had a pretty bad showing against against uh, NC State. It's time to get them you know, back and uh, get some fundamental drills going, get their confidence back up, uh, get them fired up. Um, my, my question a little bit is, so like you said, Dustin, nobody really expects Florida State to go into Death Valley and pull out a win. Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't really want to the person that does think Florida State can do that. Um, not saying they can't, but, you know, seeing what we saw against Clemson playing North Carolina, I think Clemson is beatable, but they normally have a game like that every year. Um, so it's not really a super big surprise to see them, you know, 
go into a trap game in North Carolina and, and play poorly. Um, so my question really is uh, 5-0 and as it stands right now, Wake Forest team right after Clemson. Um, uh, yeah. So, so, you know, maybe table expectations for that Clemson game and, and don't, you know, waste all of your resources in a game that you're probably going to lose anyway. Uh, and then, you know, what happens if you, you get guys hurt, you show all your cards, and then you lose to Clemson, and then you go to, to uh, Winston-Salem the next week and then lose to Wake Forest. So um, I think there's kind of got to be a, a decision as to, as to how much you really want to, to go all out or, or not for this game. And just looking at, at what's ahead, because Wake Forest is a definite must-win. And I think that all depends on, you know, certainly how Florida State begins that game against Clemson. I mean, if Florida State starts out well, you know, gets out to an early small lead, I don't think that they should table anything. I think they should go all out and, you know, try and push the Tigers as much as they can on the road. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, why not? This is a, this is a game that Clemson is certainly going to get up for. You know, Dabo Sweeney, ever since he's become the head coach of the Tigers, there's always been this this rivalry with Florida State. And, you know, even though the Seminoles have fallen down a little bit, I don't think Dabo is going to let his team look past them one bit. Clemson's going to be prepared for this game. It's not going to be like on the road at UNC last week with a bye week, you know, looming in their heads. They're going to come out. Clemson is on a bye as well. They're going to come out of this this week extremely focused on this game against Florida State. Right. Florida State has to do the same. Obviously, that game against Wake Forest is, is going to be huge for FSU season, considering they're they're likely going to drop to 3-3 three and three after the game against the Tigers. That back-to-back road game with Wake Forest, who, as you mentioned, is, is undefeated and ranked to this point, is, man, that is going to be a crazy game in North Carolina. And I think, <clears throat> like, I don't know. This is an interesting one because you, you most likely have James Blackman starting. I think he spreads the field a lot better than Alex Hornibrook will. But like you said, I think going back to Cam Akers, spreading the field more actually does better for Cam Akers because NC State was doing a pretty decent job in that first part of the game. That's why they didn't have really any rushing there for Florida State. Uh, Cam Akers was kind of stopped there because they knew that Alex Hornibrook wasn't going to really bring that deep threat. Uh, and I think in this game, this kind of opens up the game more for uh, Cam Akers. Uh, Dalvin Cook was kind of able to do it against Clemson a little bit during his time with Florida State. I think this is a pretty interesting game. Uh, you bring back Drawn Wilson, Drawn Williams, who, you know, like we said earlier, we are extremely shocked that this is such a, a big deal for this offensive line, but it really does play a big role. Uh, Florida State is definitely going to want to come into this game and, and try to compete at their best ability against one of the best teams in the country. They might not be one of the top three teams playing right now, but Dabo Swinney is one of the smartest coaches in college football. Um, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence has kind of been off a little bit to start the season. Uh, they had a rough time with the Tar Heels in North Carolina. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if Florida State can have not just only its best play on the field, but the coaching-wise. This is where some of these coaches, uh, like your defensive analyst, who is not a coach, but your defensive analyst, uh, Jim Levitt, uh, but also Kendall Bryles, mix it up. 
you know, do you fully send it on the Tigers? Uh, I think all fans would like to see that. Uh, this is a, it's a big, massive game for ACC play, and also, you know, you play well, recruiting, a lot of a lot of things going to this. Um, so we'll be interested to see. We'll fully preview this one definitely next week. Uh, just kind of wanted to get y'all's initial thoughts and looking ahead. Well, I think that's pretty much. We went well over probably an hour and fifteen minutes. It's looking like wow pretty long we made sure to get as much as we could out to you guys again we're very sorry about not being able to record the last week and a half but we're excited to be back uh, we got a lot to talk about uh, of course for clemson week next week but we'll probably get on here more and talk about the bye week and some thoughts that we have more but uh yeah as always we are you can find us on itunes you can find us on google play you can find us on soundcloud um, and Spotify. If you're on iTunes, feel free to rate us five stars. It always helps uh, grow the podcast for other Knowles out there wanting to listen. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at HearTheSpear. We always appreciate you guys engaging with us. And if you ever want to throw a question to us, we will make sure to answer it here on the podcast for you guys. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Florida State is on a two-win streak and the right now against two ACC foes so uh yeah got some energy coming out and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys on the next episode